What's up, everybody? It's Eric. It's a big bluish green man with a strange goatee. I'm guessing that's significant. Hey, guys, this is Joe. And that'll lead you to another clue and another clue. It is the most spectacular treasure in history. It was brought to the new world by Columbus and hidden by our founding fathers, never to be seen again. You're treasure hunters, aren't you? We're more like treasure protectors. To this day, the clues they left are all around us. On the dollar bill is an encryption. Try to tell me something. And for Benjamin Franklin Gates, every generation in our family has searched for the treasure. They'll lead to an adventure 2,000 years in the making. You think there is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? Where's your proof? We don't have it. Did Bigfoot take it? I'm gonna steal it. What? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Ben? From producer Jerry Bruckheimer and director John Turtletaub. What do you see? There's more to the riddle. The secrets. Okay, who wants to go down the creepy tunnel first? Will all be revealed. Tell me what the next clue is. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> National treasure. Do you trust me? Yes. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast for two former video rental clerks. Watch movies that they may have recommended one time and see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Nothing much, Eric. Are you watching anything? I know the last time we were talking, you were watching Snowfall still, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still finishing the last season. Well, the last season that aired. There's another season coming out. Still finishing that. I'm about halfway through the last season. I texted you about this yesterday, I think. But Bree and I finished Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Yes. Yep. And oh my God, that is the that is the most underrated or like no one talks about it. And the here's why I we that show it's so funny. The story's so well done. It's it's a great mystery that this it's like well constructed. But the best part about it is I, you can recommend it to anyone because it's a murder mystery, but it's not like it's super violent. There's no real, it's like Martin Short and Steve Martin comedy where th- their awkwardness is is the humor. And I told my mom about it. I told my dad about it. I told people at work about it. It's, it's so good. And it's 10 episodes. And each episode it is 10 half hour episodes ish, like 30, 35 minutes. And each episode at the end of it, like Bree and I sat down to watch, I think it was like episode seven or something the other night. And then we watched episode seven and we were like, well, now we got to watch episode eight. And we watched episode eight and then we were like, we got to watch episode nine. So I think we ended up finishing it. We watched like three or four episodes that last night because we couldn't stop continuing. It's so good. Yeah, it's awesome. Like you said, I kind of wish Hulu was pushing it as much as they're pushing High Met Your Father because it deserves it. It's a really great it's series. It's so good. And 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 the thing is, like, I know that to a certain generation, like Steve Martin and Martin Short, to kids that are 18, they, they don't carry the same weight that they used to. But Selena Gomez does, I think. Not that I have any idea. But yeah, it's so good. And it, it, like I said, it's it's rare that you can find a show that's funny but the plot's interesting and there's not, a, there's not like any real violence or, I mean, there's a little tiny bit of violence, but there's not any real violence or crazy, like over the top sexual stuff or 
the language isn't bad. I mean, they swear, but it's not, it's not offensive. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very approachable so, for, like yeah. you said, for really anyone. Yeah. So, and yeah, so I, I, I watched that. I, I finished that. I've been watching Snowfall. I also watched a few movies. I watched, uh, I finally watched uh, 13 Hours with John Krasinski about I that, that whole, yeah. And, and that movie is pretty much just a bunch of bearded hunky men shooting stuff and whatever which i'm not i'm not hating on it was it was a good like it was it it was an entertaining movie it wasn't his best thing but it was it was it was entertaining and then uh i also well i guess i should backtrack last week i rewatched malcolm x with denzel spike lee's malcolm x good movie long movie but i and i'd seen it before but it's it's you know one of denzel's (laughs) best like acting performances i think but then i went and watched taking of pelham one two three have you seen that yeah i have that movie is so ridiculous and and i feel so bad because and we've all talked it john travolta brings that movie down like a lot and it's not you know you and i are both guilty broken arrow fans so i love john travolta as a bad guy in broken arrow but in I didn't even know what they like. They had him dressed up weird. He had like a weird goatee and in like earrings and, but I mean there was God, no. I scene. forgot about that movie. Man. I forgot that existed. Who else is in that movie? Um. So Denzel, James Gandolfini plays yeah, the mayor. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. Those are the only Denzel, John Travolta, James Gandolfini. Is James? What I was only... thinking of. Yeah. Who's I was yeah. like? There's like one like shock like really good actors <laughs> kind of from the mix there. Yeah, and and like like I said, there's no saving that movie because the story's so ridiculous. But uh, Travolta makes it worse. Denzel does what he can in that movie. I mean, pretty, I mean, he's he, Denzel's great, but you can't. There was no saving it. But Travolta, I just felt uncomfortable. I was like, you used to be like this, like sex symbol, and then you were, and then and and. Uh, a good actor and whatever and i was like but that was a bad casting call that in his defense it was he shouldn't have signed on to do it but they also shouldn't have picked him so but yeah so that's what i've been watching what about you oh i uh my brother has been really hyping up but he doesn't really watch like mystery shows or like detective shows like those documentaries on netflix but and i really don't either for the most part but he's been watching making a murderer the Stephen avery documentary that came out yeah. a few years yeah. ago so He's been hyping that up. So because of his like all this hype, we talked about this last one, the expanse. He gets me kind of like overhyped sometimes. Yeah. We were I ended up watching the first episode of Making a Murderer. Yeah. And man, like what a story that is. Like I'm still, yeah, I crazy. know, yeah, like I ended up going a little doing a little research after it happened. So I know like the outcome and where he is now, unfortunately. But yeah, still like I know the ride is gonna take me on, but it's it's a re- really well done documentary from what I've seen so far. Yeah. And and I think with with that one's a good example, and there are other ones. But regardless of what you think about, shows the corruption, man. Who, yeah, regardless. I mean, whatever you think really happened, that's set that aside. And there's just these scenes in that and in other true kind things where a cop has a guy in a room, and he's clearly and in that in that one, it's a guy who has, you know, mental challenges, right? And and the cop is just bullying them into things and it's like you know if he did it or whatever you know I, who know we know only they know the truth and right. whatever that that's that's different but that shouldn't be the way that you get 
the answer, you know? Right. Exactly. And like, that's the thing, like, like I said, we don't, we don't know the actual, like what he did, he, if he did it or if he didn't do it, but it's wild to see like some of these cops come out. Like, obviously like I've only watched the first episode, but I did a lot of research into what happened after in later years. So I'm going to continue with the series, but I was yeah. just kind of, but, uh, you see like some of these cops, like going, getting caught for other crimes, other legal activities later on on the road. And, they knew like their friends, like the judge and all that. So it's like, man, like what a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like... True, true crime's tough because it's gotten so popular that like each, I just got that, you know, and because I do like some true crime things, my Netflix email, I'll get an email like once every other day. It's like, we've just added a series that you might like. And a lot of the times it's a true crime one. So because it's gotten so popular, there is a ton of crappy or just like kind of watered down series and and stuff but there are some really good ones and and that that's kind of one of the original you know one of the first big ones so yeah did you end up watching that you, you yeah did you, okay yeah Brianna, Bri, i think brie watched it first by herself and then we watched it so yeah yeah but yeah so it's, it's give enough kudos for <laughs> kind of opening up a topic that's worth a discussion for sure yeah yep. um i also watched so i'm seeing the new jackass movie tomorrow with my brother because yep it's like whatever it's a fun film like i'm ready for it and mtv has been playing like the marathon of jackass last weekend throughout the week so i watched all three movies pretty much i dvr'd uh the last two i watched them the other nights i'm like man like i am so ready for jackass four he was on a i haven't listened to it yet but brie did and and she 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 really liked it johnny knoxville was on smartless so the jason bateman um uh, well and at sean hayes uh podcast and she was like, he just seems like such a nice, like down to earth guy. I'm like, yeah, I think he is a good dude. He's, he's, he's crazy. And he does <laughs> some, yeah. some ridiculous stuff, but I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's a good dude. No, definitely. I was, I was listening to, uh, oh, what was I listening to? It was a Reddit like podcast. I'm not sure. It was just kind of popped up on my feed and the, it was John Knoxville and Chris was a Pontius. Um, they were, yep. they were talking about, you know, their history and the jackass movies and whatever. But they're talking to the interviewer who was like just like a fan of Jackass. You can tell he's like very giddy. And they could have easily like taken it to another level and like been kind of rude with him because he brings up some things that are like, you know, but they're the entire time they're cool. They're laughing at the things he's joking about. They're like, they're super, super like, it sounds like nice guys. So yeah, it's cool seeing the shit they do on screen and then like just them being normal behind, right. the, behind their, their persona, I guess. Just a couple of like total goofs. Yeah. But um, uh, so yeah, so that's pretty much it between uh, making a murderer and my jackass bitch. Oh, I I think we talked about this in the past real quick. I don't get into the have you seen Nightmare Alley with um Bradley Cooper? No. Okay, I think it just came out on Hulu. It's excellent. Uh Del Toro did it. And okay. it's I started in theaters as like the original release, but they just re-released it in theaters as the black as a black and white version. Okay. And man, like I saw that with my brother and it was so good. Like the original um, version of his is a remake of a film from God, I don't know when, like the fifties, forties, long, long time ago. And then I was reading an interview, Del Toro uh, put out that he, the lighting was so good throughout the movie that it actually works really well as a black and white film as well. So he released it as a black and white film and it is a game changer for the movie. So I'll definitely I, check that out. And Brie loves it. Him, out. So. Yeah check it out it's a really it's an insane film all right sweet let's add that to the list so um today i'll let joe tell you i mean you guys already heard the trailer and our quotes and everything 
I'll let Joe tell you about the movie and why he picked it because it was his pick, but <clears throat> I got a little bit lazy with the beer selection this week. I'm not going to lie. I'm drinking another Sam Adams. It's a different one from last week. I, last week I had the Boston lager. This one is, I won't say the name of it because I'm not a huge fan of it, but it came in a seasonal pack and I have to get rid of it. So like, what do you want, what do you want from me? You know what I mean? But uh, it fits the movie though. Because Samuel Adams is one of America's founding fathers. He signed the Declaration of Independence. So it, it does work. I just, I, I don't like this beer that much, but, but I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to, you know, speak, speak ill of it. So this, we're talking about National Treasure. This is Joe's pick. So Joe, why'd you pick it? What's your memory of it? So this wasn't my original, it wasn't my original pick. We, Eric and I were discussing like an, a pick that originally made the, uh, the finalized recording, but we edited it a little bit because it's such a good film. We don't want to just like kind of throw it in the middle here. So we're going to, that's, we're going to return the to other film, the other, yes, film. the other film, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The, the original film. Yeah. So we're going to go come back to that at some point later on. Um, so instead we picked national treasure, which is a very fun Nicholas cage from, if you haven't seen it, very ridiculous, but you're going into it kind of with that, with knowing what we're getting yourself into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never, saw us in theaters the first one i saw a mm-hmm. sequel but the first one i saw on video probably early probably close to when it released so i don't know when exactly that was but i did see it early on and since that's just been a pretty easy film to watch whenever it's so easy to watch yeah i think i did see this in theaters i can't say for sure but i think i did see this in theaters this this is one of two movies <clears throat> two movies that i used to watch at least like part of each of them once a week or more was this in oceans 11 i bought both of them at movie scene and they were just my go-tos for like i'm looking for something to put on in the background while i was doing something else and like my dad likes this one too so i think that helps since i was living with him at the time but yeah i think you said it best this movie is just fun is it is it the greatest movie ever made no but it's it's fun and it's it's super rewatchable especially for how long it is when I sat down to rewatch it, I was like, uh, two hours and 15 minutes is probably 15 minutes longer than I would have liked it to be, but it flies by. It's for me, it's, at least. You know, definitely. It goes by very smooth. So, do, do you have any stats as far as how much money it made, how it did? I do. National Treasure came out on November 19th, 2004, and had a budget of 100 million, which is crazy, and making 347.5 million at the box office. That's crazy. I mean, it That's crazy. crazy. That's awesome. It was written by Jim Koof, Cormac Wibberley, and Marianne Wibberley. So Jim Koof is known for the movie Stakeout and its sequel, Snow Dogs, Money Monster, and Rush Hour, which was an earlier Worth of Late Fee episode way yeah. back when. I think episode like 16 I looked up. Yeah, it, was, so it was way back. That'll yeah. probably be, I don't know if everyone will send that ever again. So that's out <laughs> there though. And the Wibberleys have been writing partners since 1991, writing films like National Treasure, and the sequel, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, The Shaggy Dog, and G-Force. So lots of so they also did a story for um, Bad Boys 2, but after Bad Boys 2 came like three or four Disney films in a row. So they have a nice little partnership with Disney for, for a little bit there. Um, and finally, it was directed by, I'm going to push this guy's last name. Sorry, John. John Turtle Tob. <laughs> yeah. So yep. it's, it's uh, he has directed the, very, very controversial Three Ninjas, Cool Runnings, and while you're Wait, Three Ninjas is controversial? No, it's just like people think I was it's like, a what? shitty film. People oh, okay. love it. People, okay. it's like, I think that movie is very fun. So, <laughs> Three Ninjas, I grew cool up Runnings, with that movie. 
What? You did too? Yeah, yeah. Um, cool Runnings, While You Were Sleeping, talking about uh, John, uh, John Travolta, and in the movie we've talked about kind of through all passive sales, he did Phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and he has, he did Disney's The Kid, and most recently, The Meg. He's also done, done, done some TV with his most recent directing project being Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which I discussed here in the past. Um, and then... So- Oops, sorry, we're gonna say no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll talk after. Yeah, I was gonna say it. Uh, it's been so supposedly confirmed that National Treasure 3 is gonna be coming out with this original cast, and they're also doing a Disney Plus series that takes place as like when they were younger. So we'll see if that ever comes to life, but it apparently is happening. See, I, I saw that, but then I also saw something about Diane Kruger saying that you know, kind of like don't get your hopes up or something like that. Um, she said that she'd be open to it, but she doesn't. I, I don't know that it's. I hope. I hope they do come back with it for it. Because I feel like they will too. I. I. With all like honestly, like these movies have just gotten more popular throughout throughout their lifespan. Like at this point, it'd be foolish to not release it now. When it's like almost at, uh, it's at like a high point where people enjoy these movies so much. Where it's like they're still like talking about it, and it's Jerry Bruckheimer, so we know he has you know. And it's the perfect type of movie to do. Because it's it's a crazy story. It's it's like Fast and Furious. Like, say what you will about they can make forty eight Fast and Furious movies. Although, actually, you know what? For me personally, like since Paul Walker died and they kind of changed a little bit, I'm less into it. But if it was the original cast and they made fifty Fast and Furious movies, I would probably go see all fifty of them because they're fun, they're stupid, they're whatever. But yeah, and, and the cast too, like Nicolas Cage, Diane Kruger. And Justin Bartha, like, it's not like one of them's on Game of Thrones right now, or like, you know what I mean? It's like, you, Although you're... Cage's career is wild lately, like, I know, in, it's the, weird. In, a, in a good way. So. I know, it's very weird. Um, so you give the, the finance numbers critically, not thought of too highly, uh, 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. That was, that surprised me. Too low. And then, yeah, and then Ebert thought it was pretty mediocre, two stars, and a headline of his review was, quote, clueless caper, just fool's gold. And then I have a, an excerpt from his review, which is, Cage, one of my favorite actors, is ideal for this caper because he has the ability to seem uncontrollably enthusiastic about almost anything. Harvey Keitel, who plays FBI agent Sadusky, falls back on his ability to seem grim and at about almost anything. John Voigt calls on his skill at seeming sincere at the drop of a pin. Diane Kruger has a foreign accent, even though she is the National Archi- Archivist, Archivist, National Archivist, uh, so that our eyes our eyes can miss at the thought that she that in the land of opportunity, even a person with a foreign accent can become the National Archivist. Uh, National Treasure is so silly that the Monty Python version could use the same screenplay line for line. So Roger Ebert was not a fan. I think that's a little harsh. And I think that's harsh for a two-star review. That that's that doesn't line up with a two-star review to me. It's just kind of like, that eh, it was all right. But it's one whatever. of those things where like obviously the script is completely bonkers, the story's completely bonkers, but some of the things I thought were kind of smart in a way. Like obviously, yeah. like not historically smart, but like the way like they designed some like the clues and the puzzles, I thought it was kind of smart in, at times. So you know what I liked about rewatching this that I didn't see coming at all it brought me back to a time about five years ago 
up until about five years ago where you could talk about conspiracy theories and it didn't result in like a fight or like it's like fun conspiracy theories that like you both kind of know that you can't there's not some building in philadelphia where you can walk up and like push a brick and it opens up like a secret but there's info there that makes you think someone may have a history of something so you can just talk about it and have fun it's not like like now all the conspiracy theories that people talk about are so serious and like everyone's so divided on violent yeah yeah bond discussions now yeah so this is a a a much more fun version of that so i miss our alien discussions talking about aliens (laughs) right right (laughs) exactly is the earth flat (laughs) did we really land on the moon stuff like that that's fun I don't want to talk about like <laughs> vaccines and right. stuff like that. So anyway, um, came out in November of 2004. Some other stuff that was going on in theaters, some other releases, Christmas with the Cranks, Bridget Jones and the Edge of Reason, Mulan 2, Finding Neverland, Polar Express, The Incredibles, Alfie with Jude Law, Kinsey, Seed of Chucky, SpongeBob Movie, and Alexander. So pretty. What a, that's wild. Yeah, that's a good month. <laughs> Outside of film. George W. Bush is re-elected president, defeating John Kerry. Uh, World of Warcraft multiplayer online role-playing game is released and is the world's most subscribed game. And Marco, Marco Antonio Barrera defeats Eric Morales by decision to win the WBC Super Featherweight. And it is one of the craziest fights you will ever see. If you're a boxing fan, I can't. I actually have that fight on DVD. There's like probably 10 to 15 fights that i have on dvd and that's one of them it's it's crazy and then the last thing uh ken jennings finally lost on jeopardy he was on that crazy run so um yeah it's about it good month though um, yeah, uh, look at you with the gaming with the gaming little i know the gaming i had to th- there well i was yeah. gonna throw in politics and sports i was like i gotta give joe a game what are you gonna say <laughs> you were i know you had it at one point i know you traded it in which is wild but did you ever beat uncharted no okay hundred percent no everyone eric was so close to actually playing a good game from start to finish but he gave up on it just I, I, this movie makes the other thing is this movie is very much like the whole like uncharted series where it's just like goofy treasure hunters and that was a movie coming out in a couple of weeks with uh tom holland and mark mark Wahlberg, which is kind of an odd casting choice but he, yeah mark Wahlberg's been super active lately can i, I for uh podcast confession there was a time where i was like the biggest mark Wahlberg fan like, I'm not even joking. Like in around this time, around 2004, when it was like he did like he was doing like Four Brothers and he was like, he was like a Boston boy. It's like it's kind of like for people from Boston, I'm sure, really loved him at one point. Right, and then he just went he went too far. It was it's, <laughs> and and there, there's a movie with Mark Wahlberg in it. We'll have to review it someday. I, I'm going to look it up right now to see if it fits our um, our current rules. But there's a movie with Mark Wahlberg in it. It does that everyone loves and i do not like so I'll, I'll try to remember to pick that soon so we can talk about it but um so anyway do you have the back of the dvd summary for national treasure i do historian and codebreaker ben gates has been searching his whole life for a rumored treasure dating back to the creation of the united states <laughs> joining an expedition led by fellow treasure hunter ian gates finds an ice locked colonial ship in the arctic circle that contains a clue Lincoln the treasure to the Declaration of Independence. But when Ian betrays him, Gates has to race to get the document ahead of his so-called colleague. Right. So the, that says so it all the, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie, really what it is is 
the Declaration of Independence is, he tries to, the Declaration of, of Independence is going to be stolen. And he tries to do the right thing and tell the authorities that this, but they, they laugh at him because, I mean, you guys probably just laughed when you heard me say the Declaration of Independence <laughs> is going to be stolen. <laughs> so he's put in a position where it's, this thing's getting stolen. It's either getting stolen by the good guys or people with good intentions or the character played by Sean Bean. So, you know what's interesting with this? So, like, it only covers pretty much like the first half of the movie. It doesn't get into like because they get the declaration like about the midway point for the most part, if I remember correctly. And then the rest of yeah. it's just kind of like solving the rest of the the, the puzzle. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of interesting how they kind of stop it right there as like the focus of the movie summary. Yeah, it's, it would be a lot to fit in the because it's like you said, in, it's like you said in your quote, like, and then and then it leads you to another clue, and then it leads you to another clue. So, um, so the cast members and how they were how they were doing going into this one. Nicholas Cage, obviously the biggest name in the film, as Benjamin Franklin Gates. We talked about his first uh, first movie a while a while ago, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Although he was credited as Nicholas Coppola in that, that was in '82, and he's been very active over the past 40 years, which is crazy to say. I know Joe was talking about how he's been kind of oddly successful lately, but throughout his career, he had Valley Girl, Boy in Blue, Peggy Sue Got Married, Raising Arizona, Moonstruck, Honeymoon in Vegas, Leaving Las Vegas, Adaptation. Trapped in Paradise, Con Air, Face Off, uh, City of uh, City of Angels, Snake Eyes, The Rock, Gone in 60 Seconds, Matchstick Men, Lord of War, and a bunch of other ones. And and that's that only takes us up until like 2005. He's kind of been on a new a new part of his career for the past 10 years or so, but very successful. And this lady, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but this lady I work with, I kind of forget that Nicolas Cage either was or still is to some people like a sex symbol. This lady I work with who's, you know, a pretty lady and I, I brought up I don't know what which one of his movies it was it must have been Con Air or something and she was like oh he was so hot in that movie and I was like what really but hey you know free country so Diane Kruger as Dr. Abigail Chase I have to mention this because people that speak multiple languages are super impressive to me she's fluent in German English and French so kudos her also as a model uh, her film debut was in The Piano Player which is a TV film, and she was later in Wicker Park, Troy, National Treasure, obviously, Copying Beethoven, Inglorious Bastards, A Mr. Nobody, Unknown, and more. So, successful actress. She's Has she been nominated for an Academy Award? She has, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't mean to put you on the spot as you're reading that, but I was just curious. No, I remember okay. she was, she's been in a lot of great roles, and she's, you know, like you said, she's pretty talented in all fronts when it comes to acting, but she was, uh, I don't see an Academy Award nomination. She was, she won a Cannes Film Festival Award. Um, she was nominated for, for this one, for a, Sat, for a Saturn Award. Um, yeah, no, no Academy Awards that I see. She won a couple Cannes, Cannes Film Festival Awards, actually. So okay. the Screen Actor Guild, Guild Award for Inglorious Bastards. Okay. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so I, and I liked her in this. I thought she was good. Uh, Justin Bartha, who plays Riley, and he kind of got me through the movie. Not that I not not that that sounds bad. That sounds like a, I needed some, I needed help. But his just like quick one-liners and stuff. He's had a solid career, and I mean this as like as a compliment to him. I'm surprised that it didn't turn into he didn't turn into more of a star because I loved him in this one. He's funny. He's also a good-looking dude. Like if you see him in The Hangover, that was his other big his other big thing. And and. He was in, so anyway, I'll, I'll get that in a second. So he was in the National Treasure Series, Geely, Hangover Series, Failure to Launch, 
uh, Holy Rollers, the rebound, and a few other ones. But I almost wonder if the Hangover series kind of screwed him because he was just so the guy from the Hangover that it, you know what I mean? Because I thought I like yeah. him. He's he's funny. He's like I said, good looking really dude. Chris, he's really charismatic. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's great in, in this. All the, in, like I said, in all of the roles he's in between the Hangover and this, he has like that personality that it's just fun to watch on screen. Right. So, all right. And then Sean Bean, who plays the bad guy, Ian Howe. Sean Bean is a great bad guy. Um, also in Patriot Games, Goldeneye, Ronan, Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, Equilibrium, Troy, Flight Plan, Flight Plan, The Island, Silent Hill, The Martian, and Game of Thrones, although not for not for very long. Um, and then some big names that played kind of slightly smaller roles, I guess. John Voight plays uh, Benjamin, so he plays Nicolas Cage's father. He plays Patrick. And then Harvey Keitel is Agent Sadowski. And then Christopher Plummer plays John Adams Gates, so Benjamin's grandfather. So good cast. Um, did you have anything down for more you know, like random facts? I had a couple, yeah. You, you, might, you, might, have, you might have the same ones down, but let me get to them. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with one and then you can jump in. So, Sounds good. Uh, the movie includes footage from the first filming allowed in the Tower of Philadelphia's Independence Hall. Have you been to Philadelphia, Joe? I haven't, no. I went... Uh, two years ago for a Red Sox game, but I didn't really get to like, I wanted to see the city a little bit more. Like I really, I want to do like the Rocky stairs and whatever, but I didn't really get to, I want, I want to go back with like, and when I have time to kind of move around, but yeah, a lot of history. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So what'd you have for facts? I had that one. Cause I thought it was super cool. I also yeah. have uh, the water in the reflecting pool in front of the Abraham Lincoln Memorial in the scene where Ben and Riley are talk are talking on the steps was digitally added later because the water was drained from maintenance at the time of filming. The pool is also digitally added in Forrest Gump. So I saw that. And then I saw that before I saw that scene. And I was like, wow, that looks pretty good. <laughs> right. I would have never known. I also have the movie suggests that something is around the back of the Declaration of Independence. It is true that something is written in the back. The writing on the back of the Declaration of Independence reads, our original Declaration of Independence did 4th of July... 1776, and it appears on the bottom of the document upside down. While no one knows for certain who wrote it, it is known that early in its life, the large parchment document was rolled up for storage, so it is likely that the, not that the notation was added simply as a label. With all the times I said Declaration of Independence, that opening couple sentences feels like how the movie was. <laughs> like how many times I said Declaration or whatever. But uh, and I also, my last little fun fact here is on the DVD, the director says that the initial rough cut was around four hours long. I saw <laughs> so. that. I would like to see that just to be, just to see like, what, how did you cut this movie in half? Right. What were the other, what were the clues throughout the movie? Right. <laughs> right. Um, so real quick, the thing you said about what's actually on the declaration of independence. If you believe that it's because you believe in the fake news and there's clearly, there has to be a treasure map. On the back of the Declaration of Independence, invisible treasure map. <laughs> yeah, they need glasses that have sat in a brick. Tri-color glasses. Yeah. yeah. So, um, a couple more facts that I had: Diane Kruger did most of her own stunt work in the car chase scene, which is crazy because if you see the car chase scene, if you haven't seen it, she's like swinging on a van. I don't know what most of her stunt work is, so I guess you know, think what you want, but that that scene is crazy. And it's pretty much only crazy for her. Like Nicolas Cage is in his van, the bad guys in his truck, and she's swinging on a tailgate door 
between the two of them. So kudos Rachel to factor Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to Diane Kruger. Um, Ben, Patrick, and John Gates were all named after founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, Patrick Henry, and John Adams. Uh, Abigail Chase is a combination of Abigail Adams, wife of John, and Samuel Chase, a signer of the Declaration of Independence and later an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Along with the Gates family all being named after founding fathers, Ian's last name is Howe, the last name of two brothers who were a British general and an admiral in the Revolutionary War. So that's pretty cool. That's actually really cool. Yeah, I, I missed that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I, I had the same thing you had about the, the rough cut being about four hours long. And then uh, before the movie got its rating, it was under the Touchstone Pictures banner, which is part of Disney. When the film got its, its PG rating, it was then put under the Disney Pictures banner, uh, as it's clear it's more family-friendly movie. And the last one, when Ben, Abigail, and Riley are seen entering Philadelphia, they are crossing on the Benjamin Franklin Bridge, a nod to the Founding Fathers theme of the movie. So nice little way to pay homage. Did, I think we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but did you have anything for a stuff that wouldn't fly today? No, I, I didn't. <laughs> Same. Yeah. They, this movie is very clearly a Disney movie. It has, and I shouldn't even say that because there are a lot of Disney movies that have way more stuff in it. That's questionable. This one's pretty as PG as it gets, especially with it to be an action movie. And, and this probably ties into it, but I, I didn't write this down, but I'm thinking of it as I'm saying it now. One thing that I would change is the the gun gunfights in this movie no one knows how to aim a gun at all and and i know that it's because it's a disney movie and no one can actually get shot and you don't want to have the violence and stuff but i was thinking i was like could you guys have them do like a fist fight or something because it would be like there was five scenes or so where people were 10 feet from each other and they're shooting bullets and they're somehow not hitting the person i'm not good with guns i don't think but I feel like I'm like, I could, I could have hit them with one of those shots. Um, favorite scene. What'd you have down? So I, first of all, I thought, obviously it's very, very like ridiculous, but I really liked the clues of the movie. They're, they're a lot of fun and it's, you know, that it's all just like, you know, it's there just to keep the audience kind of involved and kind of guessing, but the clues were really fun, but I really liked when they're actually trying to beat the Ian and his team to the uh, Depression of Independence when they're in the museum yep. and they're trying to, it's a ton of fun. So again, we have, this is where we meet um, Diane Kruger's character. She works at the museum and they plead their case, which is again, no one believes them because it is a wild story to begin with. And then they just beat Ian and his team to stealing the Depression of Independence. And along the way, as like a mock-up, we see, Ben buying a like fake document, the souvenir shop. So it's like, that was like the, the trick that I mean, it's just like a, it's a really fun scene. And I really, really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And that, that scene was cool because you see the two styles, like Ben's using like tact and stuff. And he's, he gets her fingerprint because he, he takes her champagne glass and then like lights something. So it like, imprints her her fingerprint and then he puts that on like a, a thing on his finger so he can get through get in the lock and then sean bean's crew just like walks up and tases a security guard <laughs> they just walk up and tase him and then they pick his finger up uh, they pick his arm up and they force it onto the finger pad thing <laughs> so it's like nicholas cage is the thinker and then uh sean bean's character ian's just like no we're just gonna kick the door in and beat people up 
Right, and it solidifies the fact that we are rooted like good guys. Like, because you question like like their, their, the family's like you know they have a history, but you know right from that that point on that they are the good guys, and you know you're rooting for them at this point. You already were, but the fact that they're not as aggressive and violent as Ian's team, um, but the whole scene is just a ton of fun, and it kind of shows what I was talking about earlier, where it's a crazy story, but some of the things they like think about to get beyond the hurdle is can be kind of smart in a way when it comes to writing. Yep. So, yeah. So I had two, one, I, I always say, I don't like to pick this cause I, 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 it's like a, I think of it as like a cop out or something, but I really like the intro scene when Chris Plummer, Christopher Plummer is explaining like the Gates family story to Benjamin. So he's, so he's Christopher Plummer is talking to a child actor that plays young Nicholas Cage and he's explaining like the family story and and how you know they come from a long line of this. And then John Voight walks in and plays like the grumpy practical dad who's like, you know, you're gonna like you said, you're gonna find one clue and then it's gonna lead to another clue and you're gonna be broke like the rest of your, you know, like his father and whatever. And I I like that in the beginning, but then I also like throughout the movie how John Voight slowly starts like he's trying to pretend like he doesn't want to participate he's not interested but then he slowly kind of gets roped into it but the scene that i actually put down is the you it's kind of ties into with what what you said where ben and riley first meet uh abigail and they're trying to explain their crazy their crazy theory and she's really smart so she thinks they sound ridiculous because they do even though it's what they're saying is true in the film they know how crazy they sound and then they're, but they're trying to say it, and and she, they're talking about um, one of the one of the artifacts that had a clue on it, and then she says, "Did Bigfoot take it?" It's just a great like character introduction, and one scene you kind of understand the chemistry where like Nicholas Cage is super smart, she's super smart, so it, for at this point they're kind of going against each other, but then eventually they're they're on the same team. I like how they didn't dumb down characters. Even Harvey Keitel's character as the cop, which like you know would typically be like the guy is like was a, a dummy, but yep. even he knew his history. So it was yep. cool how they didn't really dumb down the characters. This well, Ian, 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 despite him needing Ben, he was also still pretty smart when it comes to solving some of these. Right, right. Um, would you have down for the soundtrack? Any notes on that? Yeah, so I put the soundtrack was incredibly incredibly memorable, but it also didn't affect the film negatively in any way. It was composed by Trevor Rabin, who has been, uh, who has had a nice partnership with Jerry Bruckheimer. He's involved with movies like Con Air, Armageddon, Remember the Titans, Bad Boys 2, and a ton of others. He's a huge resume. He's also been involved with different like rock groups as well in the past, but um, his film career is very well, very, very well put together resume. Cool. He most recently did the movie The Misfits. Oh, nice. The score, I thought, yeah, I thought the score was pretty good. It fit the scenes well. Didn't yeah. really add anything a whole lot to it, but it was good. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Didn't. I don't think it added a ton to it, but it definitely didn't, you know, hurt it at all. Right. So um, for, if I could change one thing, I have a couple notes here. So it's tough because I don't want to make this movie long. And, and I should say you did the scene that you just said that you liked your favorite scene of, of them breaking in and stealing the declaration of independence. I agree with that, but the planning to st- steal the declaration of independence felt a little bit rushed it goes from like riley goes from being a hard no to even trying to steal it to helping to plan it in two seconds and then the how they're going to do it it's just kind of like a 30 second 
like highlight of them doing a few things. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think they could have taken a couple minutes out of like the first scene in the frozen ship or somewhere else in the movie or definitely out of the end of the movie and made more better use of it there. That's so that's one. And then uh, the the other one, the other big one is it's not big, but the bifocals glasses that were supposed to be used to read the code on the back of the Declaration of Independence. How is it that Benjamin Nicholas Cage knows everything about everything in American history? He's a he's a freak, as is Abigail. And Riley's pretty smart, too. And none of them think to use both the blue and the red lens or just, I, I just one of them down. Yep. until Harvey Keitel's like sitting there fiddling with it. And that's when it hits it. I was like, <laughs> really, dude, come on. And then the last thing is the end scene with Ben at his, his new house with Abigail and, and then Riley's talking about the 1% and all the money I could have done without that. The end, the end of this movie was not great for me, but what about you? Yeah. I thought the end was kind of, you know, just like a trying to force happy ending down our throats, but I agree with the tri- with the uh, with the bifocals there. I thought that was first of all the whole idea of like this tricolored bifocal was I thought it was funny and just so, like <laughs> it's, like just shows you what this movie's like. Just that they would hide that hide a <laughs> pair of glasses and <laughs> a brick and a chimney and yeah, <laughs> just the way it, 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 the the path it took to get them to those pair of the the pair of glasses there. But yeah, that was ridiculous. And I didn't like the scene when um, uh, Ian and his team are chasing the group around like the around the whole, around the town or Philadelphia. What am I thinking? Yeah, Philly, Philly. Yeah, so um, I didn't, I, I thought that scene was way too long and it kind of shows how, like you were just talking about, this group is so smart, but that was such a dumb plan. Why would yeah. they have Nicolas Cage bring this empty like little tube, but he still has the bifocals. He's obviously going to be a target as he's running around. And then they have yeah. the other two go together and right. like instead of having them to take one piece each and like him having the fake tube, so like they could have all split up and like land different paths. But for such a smart team, it was such a dumb play. <laughs> so well, and, it just lasts too long. Yeah. And so Nicolas Cage leaves the, the room that they're in with the tube and they spot him and they're like, all right, let's go get him. Right. And Diane Kruger and, and Justin and so Riley and Abigail, they leave like four seconds later. It's like, why don't you let him go? Right. Maybe they will be on to him. And he doesn't really have anything. He just has the tube. So let him go and then give it a minute or two. And then you go. You know, I, yeah, I agree. That was, yeah, they, it, should it, all, they should have all taken a piece of like of the puzzle. So they're all in separate ways, not like hanging around each other. But, but yeah, I thought that whole scene was other than like the dumb planning. I thought it was a little too long as well. Right. No, I agree. Um, so if you listen to the podcast before, you know that this is a, the part of the pod where we give give our ratings on the movie and our scores, and we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you get to the opening scene with uh, when they're on the frozen, the, the ship that's been frozen in snow and ice forever, and you're like, this is stupid. Um, it's not worth my time. This is taking too long, and you turn it off. All the way up to score of five, which is you're going to keep the movie a few extra days to watch it again try to understand all the clues and everything like that maybe even just buy it from the video rental store so you don't have to pay late fees so this was joe's pick so i'm gonna go first and i think we've said it a few times um this is a really fun movie it allows you to think about like we said it allows you to think about and talk about conspiracy theories without getting into getting too serious it's 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 just a fun mystery uh movie 
I know that all the stuff they talk about is like kind of Hollywood stuff, but it's, it's just fun to, to play along with it and get it, get into the movie. So this came around at the same time around the same time as Da Vinci code. And I enjoy both and Da Vinci codes definitely more um, detailed, but this is probably more rewatchable just cause it's, it's fun. The treasure hunting American history, again, even though it's not real history, I get it, but it's just, it's fun. It's not Da Vinci. It's not as detailed as Da Vinci Code. It's definitely not Indiana Jones, but it's fun. I give it a three and a half out of five. I, I did too. I give it a three and a half out of five. Nice. Yeah, you need to know what you're getting yourself into with National Treasure. It's ridiculous, but it has a, it's a ton of fun. It has everything you expect from Bruckheimer. It's it's action to the adventure to the forced comedy. It's a complete Bruckheimer production, and you can spot it a mile away before you even know what's him involved with it. But I thought the cast was great. I thought. They, I thought the the clues, despite like I said, like being kind of goofy in a way, I thought they they were well written to get us to where it ends up being. Going into this film with historical accuracies in the back of your head is going to say you're a failure and you're going to yeah. hate it. Yeah. So just sit back, it, relax, and exactly yeah. like Eric said, go into it with an open mind and just enjoy because it it's a lot of fun. And I hope that we eventually get uh, part three. Me too. I would definitely go see it. And I would definitely Me enjoy too. it. I like the second one. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. The fact that I don't remember how much I like the second one makes me think I thought it was pretty much similar to this. Like, it's, you know, just fun. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one in a while. I remember it's about him defending the family <laughs> name from what I remember. So yeah. it's, it, that's what I got. That's why I like the character of Ben Gates. He's never in it for himself or for the money. Like this one, he wants to share with the people. The second one, he's just trying to defend his family's name. Like he's an easy to root for character. Like we right. like him as the audience. So right. we want more Ben Gates, Disney. If, 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 <laughs> exactly. if anyone from Disney listening. Disney's listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so follow us on Instagram worth a late fee suggestions are always welcome. If there's a movie we haven't done, or you'd like us to talk about, just shoot us a message on Instagram. That's worth a late fee. Um, we'll be back next week. It's going to be my pick. Joe doesn't know my pick. Um, the Olympics are coming up. I don't think we've done a hockey movie and hockey is my favorite sport, a sport that I, I still play every week. I think we absolutely have to rewatch Miracle, awesome. 2004 Miracle. Yeah, I used so. to love this movie. Love, yep. love, love this movie. So I'm excited to rewatch it. Yeah, me too. So we'll be back next week. Thank you guys very much for listening and talk to you soon. Yep. As always, thank you.